Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Utah, Utah, Ohio State. It's Rose Bowl week for the Utes, and we're getting you ready for kickoff. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. and 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk a little sports. Of course, you see him. It's the first time today we're talking talk sports. Talk a little sports. I meant to say talk a little sports with, so yeah. I suppose that's a important word sure. in what I was trying to say. Because joining the show now, of course, you see him on KSL, world famous, doing television duties, of course. Let's get out of the Smart Rain special guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties, water costs, or eight seven call 877-346-3333. In fact, the, the last time, Ben, I saw Jeremiah in person, we were doing... We're walking shoots. on the roof. Yeah, we you were, and I were fodder. We for were the background of Jeremiah's photo true. shoot. We were trying not to ruin Jeremiah's photo shoot. That's 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 a good point, Ben. Jeremiah Jensen with us here. We know who butters our bread. On Jake and Ben, that is a fact. What's up, buddy? Uh, not much. We we don't have to talk about sports. We could talk about um, U.S. history. Uh, okay, yeah. let's dive in. Uh, I don't know music. Whatever you guys want to talk to, but I assume everybody listening probably wants to hear sports. We'll do that. Well, well. How about let's combine sports and history a little bit. Uh, ben and I were talking about this. John Madden unfortunately passing. Oh. Uh, ben and I were talking about if you made a ta- uh, a Mount Rushmore of the most influential sports figures. Ben says he'd have to be the number one pick, but he's certainly on there. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I can't argue with you right now. And I, obviously, there's some recency in here as we're mourning his passing. Um, I'm just looking at my own life and the impact that John Madden had on my sports experience. Um, I wasn't born. I was born in the 70s, 1977. So the, actually, after he won the Super Bowl, so I don't remember him as a coach. But I know that a lot of people older than us do remember him as a coach and, and the legendary figure he was on the sideline and how he came into the league as this young coach and he had a different style about him and he was a perfect fit for those Raiders who were kind of the misfits of the league. And um, he, he just, his, his, his coaching career alone um, left, a, left a mark. But we obviously grew up listening to him every Sunday with Pat Summerall um, calling NFL games. And, you know, he, he was just such a character and he, he brought this, I don't know, this, I, I don't know. He, he, he made the game better by how he described it and how he, 
you know, obviously, you know, everybody goes boom, you know, and we, we always do that right now. Right. So when we're thinking about John Madden, we think of those things. And, and then my son, um, just, just got a Madden video game for Christmas and he plays Madden. He has no idea who John Madden is, but he plays the video game all the time. So you look at multiple generations of sports fans that have been influenced and impacted by the work of John Madden. And you think about that and the impact he's had in that way. And I don't know how many sports figures in our nation's history have had that much impact over multiple generations. Well, and think about that. I think to your point, I mean, it's not like the Madden brand's going to go away. The Madden name sells. Nope. So it's going to be the Madden NFL game for the next 30 years. And so, you know, well, well beyond his passing, he's still going to be one of the most important figures in sports. And I think that's a real testament to who he is. And, you know, you talked about he kind of had this approachable style of broadcasting. I'm sure that's something you still have to deal with is, you know, have a little bit of personality mixed in with enough content. I think what I love about John Madden and, you know, you, you, when you're in this business, you try to take a little bit of something from everybody that you're influenced by. But he was he was himself. Uh, and a lot of people that get caught up in this business, they think they have to be like somebody or they have to be a certain way or whatever. He showed that you can just be yourself and people will love you. And I try to just be myself. Uh, and and it's, that's, that's the way it should be. And so, I mean, I think it's pretty cool that John Madden was just his silly self on TV and everybody just embraced it. And how cool is that? And it's kind of a lesson for all of us. That we just need to be ourselves and, and, and just just allow the world to accept us the way we are, I guess. Jeremiah Jensen with us on Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit, Jeremiah. Give us kind of your, your uh, overall take about the Rose Bowl and uh, your feeling about the Utes going into this one. I really, I really feel good about it for the Utes. Uh, I just feel like they are playing for something bigger than them. And when you combine their talent and their experience now and their coaching and everything that they have, they have built throughout the season and everything that they've gone through, they've kind of become a juggernaut. And I think you watch the way that they went from losing at San Diego State at one point in the season to just absolutely destroying Oregon two out of three weeks. Shows you just how much this team has grown. And they're now in this opportunity, and there's so much – to play for obviously for for Ty and Aaron and then you combine the fact that they've never won a Rose Bowl never been to a Rose Bowl this is new and exciting for them Ohio State can't say that you know obviously their younger players have not been here but they had bigger goals they thought they were going to be in the playoff and up until they lost to Michigan they probably would have been um, the number two team in the Big Ten champ and now they're not and I think that that's got to be a downer for them and I don't think they have the same momentum and the same excitement I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're not excited to be there and they're not going to go out and compete. I just think Utah's going to have an edge in that department. Um, and obviously, you, Ohio State's missing some key players. Um, I know some people have, have, have tried to say that, that that takes a little bit of luster off the game. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think that there's plenty of talented players still playing for Ohio State, and there's some young guys that are going to get a chance uh, to step up and play as well. But uh, I'm looking at this game, and guys, it kind of feels a lot like Utah-Alabama in 2009, right, in the, in the Sugar Bowl, where Alabama was in a similar situation where they thought they were going to play for the BCS championship. They lost to Florida, and, they, and then they end up in the Sugar Bowl as kind of a consolation. This feels the same way for Ohio State, and I think that you got a Utah team going into this game 
that has a chance to make a statement and put an exclamation point on a special season. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, and Jeremiah, I'm curious if you agree or how you kind of view this. What, what surprised me... And what has changed my opinion on the Rose Bowl for the Utes is that it doesn't feel like the game is too big for them, where I don't know if I would have felt that even a couple of weeks ago, and certainly not a couple of seasons ago, where, you know, in 2019, they had this, you know, insanely talented team, and Tyler Huntley was so good, but it still felt like when they got to the Pac-12 championship game, maybe the game itself was a little bit too big, they weren't quite ready to compete at that level, and they proved by beating Oregon twice, once on a Friday on national television, then again, I guess both were on Fridays, because it was the Pac-12 championship game, it it does not feel like any place they're going to end up this season is too big for this team, and whether that's Kyle Whittingham, or Cam Rising, or Britton Covey, or Devin Lloyd, the players on this team, they just feel like they're ready to accept any challenge that's put in front of them, and and conquer it, and and to be able to compete and, and, and beat these teams like Ohio State. I agree 100%. It shows the growth of the program, and you, you absolutely you bring up 2019. I was at that Pac-12 championship game. The Utes were favored to win that game. And they, you're right, they just were not ready for the moment, and they got, they got punched in the mouth. This year, they were the one doing the punching, and I think that's really impressive, especially when you consider, you know, obviously they have some really experienced, talented players, Devin Lloyd, an All-American, who I think really anchors and leads that team. But Cam Rising is a sophomore that's never been in these situations before. They got a lot of defensive starters that are freshmen, um, but they've been up for the moment. So I think that tells you just how much improved the talent is on this team and, and how um, how much this program has grown and progressed just, in, just since that 2019 team, which I thought was tremendous and had high expectations of. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100%. It shows the growth of the program and where they're at that these moments aren't too big for them. And I think it bodes well for the future because you got a lot of freshmen on this team that are playing in a Rose Bowl, and they're only, they're only going to have confidence moving forward. And then this program can continue to do big things. Who knows what's next? So I, I think this is a big thing for the program and, and, and the next step in their progression, and I think they've been up to the challenge for sure. What do you think Witt's future is, Jeremiah? Uh, how many years do you think he'll be at this? I mean, of course, we've heard the rumors about possibly this year being it. I don't think that personally. Not sure about you, but what do you think his future is? He, he, obviously, he, he, he gets to decide, which is a wonderful thing. I mean, how many of us get to decide when we're done, right? <laughs> Not many. And I think he's going to have that choice. Um, I, I, I can't possibly get into his head and see where he's at at this point in time. Um, if you asked me that question in October, I would wonder if this would be his last year because I, I, I can tell, you know, I've covered Utah since I've, I've covered this team since his first year as the head coach. And I've never seen him like so, like, I, I don't know what the word is. I don't want to, you, you, you could tell that everything was weighing on him so much. And I can't imagine what he's had to go through. Because as a head coach, you, you, in some ways, you're the father of the program. You're looking after these young men. And for them to lose two of those young men under his watch had to be incredibly painful. I can't even imagine what that was like for him. And, I mean, when, when you go through things like that, you, who knows what you're going through and what, what toll that may be taking on you um, physically, mentally, emotionally. So, you know, two months ago, I probably would have had a different answer than I do now. I think what's happened since then, has perhaps energized him to be a part of this the success. I mean, this is what it's been about for 10-plus years. He's held, he, he built this. He's been along for the ride and all the ups and downs, and now he's enjoying the up. And what a high that must be. And I can't imagine 
him wanting to step away and not wanting to enjoy this more because I, I look at next year's team, guys. I think they're going to be good again next year. And so why would he not want to come back and, and be a part of this and, and try to experience this again? I think he'll step away when he feels like he can't give 100%. And I, I'm sure that day's coming soon. Um, you know, he's not getting younger. He's in his 60s now. But right now I just can't imagine him wanting to step away from this. There's just too much energy and too much progress and too much success in the program right now. Jeremiah Jensen's our guest. Jared, when we look at the Jazz this season, I'm curious because I feel like Jake and I could be potentially, we're just a little too close to it. And not that you're not at all the games and covering it just like we are, but Jake does pre-half and post, and I'm writing about every game, and the grind of it certainly starts to add up a little bit, and we probably don't do a good enough job stepping back from it. And I feel like, man, the season's felt tough to me. There's been something about it that has not felt as easy as last year was. And I know they had the number one seed basically all season long, and maybe that was part of the ease of it. But I look back at their last 24 games, they're 20 and 4. I mean, they, they've lost four games since the middle of November. They're just playing a really, really high level of basketball, and it still doesn't feel as easy to me. Is that a personal thing that I'm dealing with or Jake's dealing with, or are you getting that sense also? Well, no, you know, I'm watching this today. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. I, I kind of have felt the same way too. And maybe, maybe last year, I, here, here's what I think it is, Ben. Our expectations have changed. Last year, we did not expect the Jazz to, to race out to the great start they had. We did not expect them to win the number one overall seed in the regular season. And so there was a freshness and a newness about that. And let's be honest about last year, they had very little adversity until Donovan got hurt against the Pacers, right? I mean, they had hardly any injuries, and it just, everything went very smoothly, and this year, I think you've had more bumps in the road, and now we're dealing with COVID again. And I think it's the way that they lost some of those games. I, look, you're right. They're, they're two and a half games behind um, the Warriors for the best record in the NBA. <laughs> they're, they're, the, they're a top three team in the league right now. Um, but because of the way they've lost some of these games, especially some, to some teams they should have beat, you know, the heartbreaking losses they had, maybe that's part of it. Um, I don't know. And maybe it's just a grind. And, and I think there's a feeling with this team that, and, and I think this is the difference between last year and this year, is it's really just all about the playoffs, right? And the playoffs are far away. They're in April, May. Um, this team, in order to take the next step and to prove anything, can't do that until the playoffs. Last year they were proving something every game because they were, they were on this unprecedented run to the number one seed. I think that's the difference and why maybe this feels like a grind. I think it's a grind for this team. Because they know it's all about the playoffs. And I think we in the media and I think fans as well know it's all about the playoffs. And that's far away. So I think that may be part of that. But you're right. They're having as much success this year as, as they did last year. It's just coming in a different way. Jeremiah, either positive or negative, has there been something about this season with the Jazz that has surprised you? Surprised me? No. No, I don't think so. I, I, I think... I can't think of anything right off the top of my head that, about this team that surprised me. I think Rudy's still playing in dominant fashion. I think maybe Draymond Green wins Defensive Player of the Year this year because of the success the Warriors are having, but he's still playing at that level. Um, Donovan, I think, has been even better this year. Um, I, I, like the, I like the additions they've made to the team. I think maybe the one thing that maybe I'm surprised at is the bench hasn't been better, um, and maybe that'll come along here. Um, coming you know later on in the season, especially with Rudy Gay getting more acclimated and getting more comfortable. But no, I, I think this is exactly where I thought they'd be. 
Um, I'm some more surprised about other developments. I'm surprised the Warriors are back um, being at the top, especially without Clay. Um, but not surprised that the Suns are where they're at. Um, you know, I, other than that, I really am. I'm really not surprised by anything, and I think the Jazz are in a great position. Um, and I, but I do think there's there's still room for improvement with this team, which is a good sign. One really quick thing before we let you go, Jeremiah: rank the top three writers at KSLSports.com. <laughs> How about um, number one, Ben Anderson? Oh, number two, man. Ben Anderson, and number three, Ben Anderson. I couldn't disagree. I agree. I have, <laughs> I have the same list. Yeah, yeah, I read everything you write. <laughs> big fan. Big well, fan. Well, Jeremiah, we're a big fan of yours, buddy. Jeremiah, right? Sometimes too. Yeah. So we appreciate. I put you. I'd put you in the top three, not one or two, but I'd put you in the top three. <laughs> You're there. You're in the convo. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if I'm in top three, then KSLSports.com is in big trouble. We better find more writers. Well, Jeremiah, I, I, I know that's not true. So we got a great staff. Well, thanks, buddy. We we look forward to uh, when you have a chance to come on with us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Happy New Year! Thanks for having me, guys. You appreciate it. Jeremiah Jensen, love JJ. Oh yeah, the best. Uh, catch Sports Beat and uh, catch him on KSL, of course. Channel Five, Rose Bowl coverage. We got it all. Yeah, blowing it out. Yeah, big ups to uh, to KSL Sports. Yeah, uh, tell you, man, it was it was interesting going over to KSL uh, and, and how much fun it's been being at KSL Sports and. They invest in it, you know. They they take it seriously. You know, Trevor Allen's down there right now. We've got coverage on our Twitter account at KSL Sports. If you don't follow it, follow it. Like he's got the interviews. He's doing it now. Trevor's going to be there all week long, and then we're going to send TV guys down there, and writers are down there, and radio's doing it now because they've invested in radio. It's just it's fun. It's fun to be a part of. It's a very real approach to how you're supposed to cover sports. It's it's exciting. Ben, you and I can say this from personal experience. <clears throat> Not all radio companies are built alike. No. No, no, not at all. No, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I truly live a very charmed life, and I'm very lucky to be where I am right now with everybody involved at KSL Sports and here and you and Megan and everybody. I feel very lucky as we get towards the end of the year, and I look back at uh, all the people I get to spend time with. I'm very grateful for them. Uh, maybe, maybe not Lloyd. No, that's why we make him sit in the other room. <laughs> but there are there. That's why are he others. lasted about a week producing one hour of our show, and we he's chased like, him off. He's like, no, we don't no. need that bad energy. Coming into our lives, it is Lloyd. bad energy. That's exactly. You know what? That's that's well described, Ben. We need. We need. I don't know if it's positive or negative. It's just bad. Can I give a hot take that aren't jazz fans aren't going to like? Well, let me brace myself. I'm 100 percent okay with Rudy Gobert not winning Defensive Player of the Year this year if it goes to Draymond Green. Like the Warriors are the best defensive player in the NBA, and he's he is the reason. Sure. Like, what, what's the argument there? I know a lot of Jazz fans are going to have a hard time with that. And look, I think Rudy Gobert is probably the best defensive player in the world. Impact, etc. And I think that in itself is the probably the best argument to give somebody Defensive Player of the Year. He's the best defensive player on the planet. But we don't do that with the MVP every year. You know, we, we do like to mix it up. And I think it's okay to mix it up, understanding that we can have different definitions of what these words mean. Defensive Player of the Year this year, the best defensive team, has one of these guys who is one of the most unique defensive players we've ever seen in Draymond Green. He is Scottie Pippen-esque or Dennis Rodman-esque. Like he is that level of defender, and it's the only reason why the Warriors are the number one team in the league this year. Now, we can talk about how good Steph is offensively and his ability to hit threes and yada, yada, yada. Their best asset is that they're a great defensive team right now, and Draymond is the reason they're a great defensive team right now. So if Draymond wins it, I'm not going to be pulling my hair out that they gave it to somebody other than Rudy Gobert. So here's why I don't think jazz fans should be offended by your take. Maybe they disagree, but they certainly shouldn't be offended. It's not like Draymond Green 
well, honestly, hasn't won the award before. Right. I mean, he's, right. he's an incredible defensive player and has been for a long time. What made those Warriors teams, or the Warrior team basically, before Kevin Durant joined it, what made them legendaries? Not only were they the best offensive team in the league, Ben, but they were the best defensive team in the league. Yeah. And they did it with a unique fashion that the whole league had to spend the next several years adjusting to. It was that good. And he is the reason that it was that good. So... He's a great defensive player yep, that absolutely belongs in the argument, and and nobody should be offended by that take in the slightest. Now, last year when Ben Simmons tried to tell everybody that yes. he was the best defensive player on the planet, that was laughable yep. and embarrassing for him. Correct. But he that 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 honestly is is part of the if I speak it into the zeitgeist, right. well, people will believe it, and lo and behold, he gets defensive player of the year votes because. It, Correct. it works. Because he too. talked about it enough. And it's how he got the rookie of the year. Exactly. By scoffing at Donovan Mitchell, it's the only way because all these East Coast elite NBA people are like, well, yes, yes. I mean, Ben Simmons is a fine player. It's right. true. He can't, he can't shoot a lick. Uh, uh, and Donovan Mitchell is the first rookie to average over 20 points a game since like Michael Jordan. But no, no, it's, it's Ben Simmons. But anyway, that is offensive. Saying that Draymond Green belongs in a discussion for for uh, uh, defensive player of the year, and that some people like yourself would actually lean that way, no, that's not offensive. Draymond Green's great; he's a great defensive player, and the type of defensive player like Rudy that should be rewarded. He plays real hard. He'll guard uh, whatever assignment is yes. given to him yep. at any particular time, and he's a total team guy. And it's funny; he is a little bit more like. Rudy Gobert in the way he defends than Ben Simmons is, which you wouldn't think because he's not a rim protector, but he is more of the linebacker that sits back yep. and calls everything out and directs traffic and then is responsible for helping wherever he needs to help. Fixes others' mistakes. He fixes others' yeah, mistakes the point. way Rudy does, where Ben great Simmons point. is a lot of, yeah, Ben Simmons will pick you up as soon as you cross half court and we'll lock you up. It's really hard to beat Ben Simmons one-on-one. He's so long and he's so athletic and he's so fast. When he's engaged, he's, he's a, a freakish talent. Uh, but... If we're talking team impact, it's hard to argue with what uh, Draymond Green's done, and they have the best defensive rating in the NBA by, what, two points right now I'm looking at it? Almost two points, which is great. You know, the Jazz have the best offensive rating by something like four points. I mean, it's absurd what the Jazz are doing right now compared to the rest of the NBA. But there's only two teams that have a net rating in the double digits this, this year, which is the difference between your offensive rating and your defensive rating, and it's the Warriors and it's the Jazz. And the Warriors are one point or point one better than the Jazz are right now in their net rating, and it's because of Draymond Green's defense. So I have no problem if he gets some recognition. What I would say, though, is if this trend continues where the Jazz are and they continue to be a top-three team in the West and probably leap either the Warriors or the Suns coming up here in the next little bit, either Rudy or Donovan Mitchell needs to get very, very, very serious consideration for the MVP award. Okay. Either one? Either one. And I would buy arguments for either one. Donovan Mitchell's the best offensive player on the team, one of the best defensive players in the NBA, or offensive players, excuse me, best offensive players in the NBA, and continues to get better when we've talked about James Harden struggling because the officiating has changed, Damian Lillard's having a terrible offensive season, who we'll see tonight. Donovan Mitchell's just getting better. His effective field goal percentage is better because his field goal percentage is better even when he's not shooting the three as well. Like He continues to find a way to get better as an offensive player. And actually, so has Rudy Gobert. To Rudy's credit, he is better this year catching the ball and making a move and making a play. And then good for Quinn Snyder for recognizing it and also giving him that uh, that luxury and that ability to say, you know what, we can live with Rudy Gobert missing a couple of turnaround jump shots a week if it's going to make him better at some point in the playoffs. And I think you have to do that. I actually credit mainly Donovan, but the other teammates as well for 
Rudy's offensive improvement too because they've passed him the ball. Donovan certainly has. They've that has not always been a thing. That sounds like a really simple take, but there have been previous years where they did not and, and put this on Rudy to a certain extent. They did not trust Rudy enough to yep. pass him the ball. Yeah. And Rudy's last game alone, Rudy made a couple of difficult grabs. Yep. Right? And his finishing has gotten more aggressive. I I still think there's some room there. Still see a fancy layup or two. Just dunk it, Rudy. It's yeah, okay. Right. You can just he's even dunked through some players, which Correct. is something that we didn't see. Jared so, Allen against the Cavaliers. Yes. One great of his best point. dunks of the year. Yep. And that's a great player to dunk over too. Correct. So uh, you know, I think Rudy's earned a little bit more confidence, but his his teammates are are giving him the ball. That's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. And it makes the jazz offense all the much better because you know if you have to collapse to guard Rudy to keep him from getting a dunk. Well, you're cheating off the corner, odds are, and if you've got Bogdanovich or Ingles or Clarkson, for that matter, standing in the corner, it's a really good shot. He's also shooting his free throws really well. Gobert is. He's up at about 70% right now, which is where he needs to be, you know, for, for, for Rudy. So he's, he's playing well in that sense that, uh, that you're talking about. His offense has improved as well. So one of those two guys needs to be in the conversation for MVP. They don't have to win it. You know, yeah, there's a lot of valuable names out there that I think deserve to be in that conversation. But, you know, if you're talking about Chris Paul... You could easily make the argument for Chris Paul, but you can make that exact same argument for either Rudy or Donovan, I think. Or if you want to say KD and A with the Nets, I think you can say the same thing for uh, for uh, for what the Jazz have. So I, I think that would be one place, if I'm a Jazz fan, I would worry less about Defensive Player of the Year or Sixth Man of the Year, and I would be thinking more of the big prize of the MVP. Last year, the Jazz were the hot team to get awards. Correct. The, the Warriors are going to be that this year. If not the Warriors, then the Suns. Yeah. But there's still a decent chance, I think, of somewhat reasonable chance the Jazz end up with the best record in the NBA again this season. If that's the case, you're the best team in back-to-back years. That's kind of how Carl Malone did win his MVP awards, right? Like the Jazz were kind of finally there long enough that you really had to respect that the best player on their team is doing something extremely significant at the highest level. Want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision. It's the fifth annual Black Friday sale. It's been extended through December at Davis Vision. If you're tired of contacts or glasses, get LASIK now. Save 1400 bucks. Limited spots available. Excuse me. So act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That is Davis Vision. Top three stories at kslsports.com coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah, Utah, Ohio State. It's Rose Bowl week for the Utes, and we're getting you ready for kickoff. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I'm not afraid. I'm yeah. Not afraid. It's been a ride. Everybody. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Now some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. You can try and read my lyrics off of this paper before I lay them. But you won't take this thing out these words before I say them. A lot of bad GMs out there in sports, Ben. Yep. The great uh, Stevon Smith Sr. told me that Some once. Really, really terrific agents. <laughs> right. Really good agents, man. But in the case we were just talking about, you're happy somebody got overpaid. That has to be one of those things that athletes more than ever. I, I would love a real truth serum segment with some athletes to just talk about, get some real truth from some guys who've been around a long time. I bet you one of the most interesting things they could talk about is you get what you pay for in your agents. You really get, because I'm sure there are some agents that are like, I take less, I take a smaller cut, yeah. you're my biggest client, I'm going to be your guy who's like, you know what, go with Cantor. Because he, yeah, he has some of the biggest agents, but there's a reason he has some of the biggest agents. Right. You're not going to be his top, or biggest players. You're not going to be his top player, but you're going to get what you pay for. Just so you, do it. 
I bite I, the bullet. If I were a basketball player and had to hire an agent right now, I'm hiring Max Urgul. Yeah, and I have no idea where he's at, where he is at the moment. Probably not in country, but I'm picking that guy. The guy that could twist the arm of a franchise to give Ennis Cantor a max deal. Correct. That's the agent I want, Ben. Uh, who was Dante Exum's agent? I mean, Dante Exum. He he went Rob Plinka. Rob Plinka was great right. before he went over, worked for the Lakers, but like, could get everybody paid. You know who has a shockingly good agent, but he's been good is Rudy Gobert's agent, who's a guy he followed him from France and has kind of been with him his whole time. But is you know they made each other a bunch of money. But yeah, having a good agent versus the bad agents that are out there that you could you I mean we see it, we see it covering the teams when you have a bad agent you get that bad contract it's brutal. I uh, I will never understand the athlete that hires a family member to be the agent. The pressure of somebody you trust, but man, what if they blow it? They, oh, it's and the, they, they're just as likely to blow your money as someone else. It's the whole reason that honestly, my wife is very capable of attorney. If yeah. it ever came down to it that I needed an attorney, I'm not hiring her. Correct. Because what if it goes south, right? <laughs> what am I going to do then? Yeah. I need somebody to blame Ben. Sorry. I don't want to blame my wife. I had to fire dad. I had to fire my uncle. It was his only job he's ever had. Uncle Bob got us the worst contract in the him. league. What are you going to do? Fire Uncle Bob? Yeah, right. Or mom oh. and dad? And there's a lot of them. Heaven forbid. Yeah. A lot of them. Because they've got their baby's best interest at heart, Ben. Yet... I guess we're not doing top three stories at KSLSports.com. We should get into it. That was a random random sidetrack. That's always what I do. Uh, All right, Megan, let's do this thing. Number one. Utah State quarterback Andrew Peasley enters transfer portal. Tis the season. Jake, and uh, you know, that's just what's universally going on right now in college football. But he's got two good quarterbacks in front of him. We saw both of those uh, play out during all of Utah State's incredible season. And then, of course, uh, in the bowl game as well. I think it is not a positive thing, and I don't know about this particular case, so don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's going to be a positive thing for college football that quarterbacks in particular can move around so freely because only one quarterback can play at a time. So if you get buried on the depth chart, you are no longer going to battle it out, make yourself better, and earn the job. You're going to go somewhere else. And again, I don't know with with Peasley, you know, go do what's best for you, I suppose. But like Jim McMahon, I would guess would tell you a big part of the reason he succeeded at such a high level is because Lavelle told him he had to sit a year behind Mark Wilson when he would when McMahon was like a junior or something. Oh, correct. Right. And, and battle it out and learn and get better and all these things. And McMahon arguably is the best quarterback in BYU history at a, at a university with an incredible history. And then goes on to win a Super Bowl. And right. he's the, the, the quarterback for the Bears and played in the league for 15 years right. and all this stuff. If he would have just said, nah, screw it, I'm going to SUU. I don't know. I don't know. Is, is the value... Well, it would be interesting to see. It would be interesting to see what the success rate is of transfer quarterbacks in general. And there are some clear examples of guys who go out and have a ton of success. And there are a lot of situations where guys don't have much success. But you know, Andrew Peasley, looking at his recruiting profile coming out, he had offers to Utah State and Portland State. So like Utah State was obviously his best opportunity. Now maybe he goes and plays at Sacramento State and has a huge year, and then transfers up to a a D one program again. You know, that's probably what his best option is at this point. But it's a tough spot. But also, you look at Cam Rising and the success he's had as a transfer. It's it's inarguable. He made the right move, leaving Texas to go to Utah. He went to a better team 
is having more success, is playing at a high level, and will get an opportunity potentially to play professional football if he continues to play at this high level. I don't think he gets drafted, right? but someone will take a chance on him. He'll get invited to camp and get $50,000, and that's not a bad way to live your life. He's probably going to get some NLI money. Yeah, NIL money. There you <laughs> I'm go. never going to get those right, but NIL money. He'll probably get a little bit of that while he's at Utah. He probably hopefully got some of it while he was at Texas, too, if that was, I guess it probably wasn't there at that point. But that is the hard thing about transfers. Rarely do you transfer up. You generally transfer down. Now, that doesn't mean you can't make the most out of it. Texas is a bigger program than Utah, but Cam Rising did make the most of it. Charlie Brewer did not. It's not... It's just not an easy thing to do, and it's a much harder job to step into when you haven't been recruited. And maybe a bigger decision than is appreciated. 100%. No question about it. Because so many guys do it, it feels light and easy. And I don't. I think every individual case is truly different, and it's probably difficult in its own way. But the temptation as a quarterback would be more. Totally understandable. I get why guys transfer. I totally get why guys transfer. If you're the third defensive end... You're going to play a lot. You're going to play. Yeah. Fifth corner. Yeah. You play. You're going to play a lot. Yeah. Only one quarterback can play at a time, Ben. Let's get on to number two. Number two. John Madden, Hall of Fame coach and broadcaster, dies at 85. John Madden didn't want to go into the Hall of Fame as anything but a coach. So as we talk about him, I know him as broadcaster, video game savant, or you know whatever name you want to throw on him, which I'm sure is the way you feel about him too, that is certainly not how he ever viewed himself. And he got passed over several times, which is hilarious to look back and be like the football hall of fame. Didn't think John Madden was legit because he didn't want to go in in all these different ways. Fine, put him in as a coach if that's how he wants to. The NFL is not the NFL without this John Madden. I agree. But you know what that is, Ben? That's a, an example of how much disdain coaches and players have for media. Broadcasting <laughs> yeah, or the video game. They don't, even want, yeah. they don't want to even be identified with it. Correct. I've seen this a number of times yep. in my own personal life. They don't, you, you're not part of, a game, part of the game when you're in the media. It's this side show. If you were to meet Chris Collinsworth... He would introduce himself as former Bengals wide receiver. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he wouldn't be like, no, I'm the guy on, I guess it's Sunday night football now, but he did Monday nights for a, a long time. A far better broadcaster than he ever was Correct. a player. Correct. But he would introduce himself as wide former receiver. player, former wide out wide receiver. Chris Collinsworth. And and he was great, right? Back in his day. I don't mean to Three-time discount his, player. Yeah, his right. playing days, yeah. but he's a great broadcaster. Correct. Called the biggest game, you know, some of the biggest games ever. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, but would call himself former Bengals. I worked player. as a bellman at a hotel, which was you've done that too as yeah. well. And I, I would drive people to the airport, so you're talking to a lot of people. And one of the funniest things was you always knew who played college sports because they always told you. They always that was always told their go to. They would go back to their story because. You as a player is how you identify yourself. Yep. They didn't introduce me to, hey, I'm in sales now. Hey, I'm a CEO right. of this company. They would talk to themselves and be like, yeah, well, I played at Nebraska. Or I played at a small school in Texas. They would always tell you that they played. They didn't tell you what they're doing now. And that is very much an athlete thing. I think you're exactly right. Through the javelin at Oregon State. <laughs> All conference. No. To be fair, there's a much wider spectrum of broadcasters or media people. There's low lifes like us, uh-huh. and then there are John Maddens, which are a different level of broadcasters right. than we are. There's only at his how many NFL teams were there when he was coaching? Eighteen, oh. sixteen. Yeah, right. Like there was sixteen head coaches on earth at that point. I get why he may feel like that was a little bit more of an elite spot. Going into the Hall of Fame, he's like, don't even mention that don't I was a broadcaster. Don't say. It's funny. He probably made oh. 
50, 100 million dollars off the video games? Oh, more maybe. Uh, let's look that up. That's we an interesting. We should look that up. Yeah, it's probably like uh, why Shaq doesn't want to talk to you about the general. <laughs> <laughs> but he really has a lot of Shaq. Just like I'll, uh, he, I'll, I'll endorse anything. Insurance, Lincoln, whatever oh. cars he's done, he's done everything. Uh, John Madden is making about fourteen mil a year on the video yeah. games, and then they've been around since. Now he wasn't making fourteen million in nineteen ninety two. He was probably making a million or two. Yep. And they've been out for thirty years. You do the math. He's probably made two hundred million bucks off it. Good for John. I swear to you, if I ever like meet Shaq, I would say again because I've interviewed Shaq before, but oh, not really? in like a huh. yeah, not like a post game locker room yeah, capacity, yeah. not in like a one on one capacity. I've never but. seen him up close. I, I went to a Lakers game at Staples, but I never I never saw him in a media uh, sense. So, but if I ever talk to him again, have a conversation, I I am talking to him. Number one on my list is going to be icy hot, and I'm going to just see how he reacts. So does that does that icy hot really work for you? Is that a should I get that back thing? I see the commercial all the time, and you look like you're dominating out there. What the what, what is that legit? That's what you're going with in the late eighties? Madden signed a deal worth roughly eight million dollars uh, for to launch Madden football originally. So in the eighties, he was making eight million. So he was already making a lot then. In fact, like per capita or, or with uh, inflation, that was probably more money then than he makes even now. Good for John Madden. Getting, not not for passing away, but making all the money he made off the video games. Shaq, I'm getting killed on my car insurance. Is the general legit? <laughs> what, what's your experience been? You ever had to make a claim? I do like that they spent all their advertising money on Shaq and not the animation of the general driving around in that little car that was clearly made by, you know, the first year community college kid in this intro to graphic design. Uh, Shaq, how about that icy hot? All right, next. Number three. Holiday Bowl canceled as virus issues hit UCLA before kickoff. Well, Jake, we were dumb. We talked about how excited we were to actually watch a Pac-12 bowl game because we liked the Oregon State-Utah State game. And then we were excited to watch uh, some of these other ones popping up. And and certainly the game we were going to watch was UCLA last night. And then four hours before the game, it got canceled. And NC State was a really good opponent for them. NC State has had their first first good football team since... Uh, who is that guy that threw weird for the Chargers for years? Has 15 kids. Yes. Uh, you're right. I don't know why I can't think of him. He was like the number the, three quarterback uh, in the forever. NFL. Phil for, Rivers. Phil Rivers. Yes. Jeez. Lived in L.A. Lived in San Diego and drove to L.A. He commuted to L.A. because he likes San Diego. I don't blame him. I love San Diego too, but uh, yeah, Phillip Rivers. And so NC State doesn't get to play their bowl game. Did you uh, read any of the, the, the buzz out there in the Twitterverse on uh, how people were were accusing Chip Kelly of, of pulling out because he didn't want to take an L Huh? at the last minute? Felt like an interesting thing to accuse somebody of being shady If over. there was somebody that would do that. Probably Chip Kelly. It would be Chip Kelly. You couldn't throw that at Kyle Whittingham. No. Everyone would, you would get run. Uh-huh. You know, like you would really take some serious heat. Chip Kelly's earned enough bad reputation, has, has enough of a bad yeah. reputation that you can kind of throw anything in there and, and you say, yeah, it could fit. That would make some sense. This may be the bleeding heart in me, Ben, but I really do feel bad for the seniors, whether that's their last opportunity to... I mean, families flew out. Families flew out from yeah, NC State to go right. see that game. People wanted to watch that game in San Diego. Spent money, money they don't have, to go watch these these kids play, and then it got canceled. Yeah. No, it's horrible. Stinks. Uh, I did watch West Virginia-Minnesota last night, which was certainly a football game. It was legally a football game, but it was football was on. It was speaking of bowl games that we got to watch. And now we are, Jake, uh, today actually getting into some of the better bowl games 
Uh, I've never heard of this team, Maryland versus Virginia Tech. I've never yeah. heard of that horrible team, but uh, they're playing. Uh, but Clemson-Iowa State should be fun, even though I know Clemson wasn't Clemson this year. You've got Oregon versus Oklahoma tonight coming up in the Alamo Bowl, so that's going to be a very fun game to watch. And then, as we said, we start getting really into the good games, of course, coming up this weekend. Hardly paying attention to my Hokies. It's tough to you know get into these bowl games when the coaches aren't there. Correct. Yeah. In fact, uh, our guy Matt Brown was on with DJ and PK today, and he was talking about how uh, Oregon State or Oregon State, Ohio State, has already hired their next defensive coordinator, but he's not on the staff now. But what it means is, by a simple numbers game, at least one member of that staff is not going to be yeah, on the, right. the staff yeah. the next you year. You only have so many spots, so it's one of those things like, well, how much is my heart in this really, or After how much game, am I we shoot one the of the phones? coaches? Yeah. yeah. How much of my networking down here? How much am I working on the game plan? No, it's just be, weird. It's awkward. I, a, let's hope there's no issues with COVID going up to Utah in the Rose Bowl. If they're willing to pull a game with five minutes left to play, uh, you know, or before it starts, let's hope we don't end up running into that situation. Honestly, I just get nervous. I'm looking at all the clips that Trevor Allen's putting out on KSLSports.com right now or on, on our Twitter account at KSL Sports, and we're just like, we're right next to the players again. I'm just like, if this is going to be the reason we get it canceled, let's do everything over Zoom. Let's put these guys in a protected bubble for the next four days because it's too important to this program to, to have this game end up getting canceled. But look, I'm excited for the games tonight. I mean, I'll watch Clemson, Iowa State. I'll watch Oregon, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Those are terrific games. Stay tuned. More Jake and Ben next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah. Utah. Ohio State. State. It's Rose Bowl week for the Utes, and we're getting you ready for kickoff. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Play. Sir. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. We were just talking about the horrors of travel. Neither of us travel for work. And that was kind of going to be the plan for me this year a little bit more with the Jazz. Uh, Because, you know, last year was the pandemic and you shouldn't have been traveling really for games a whole lot if you didn't have to. Uh, And then this year, before we got the radio station, I was kind of going to plan on being at probably a third of the games or so on the road, maybe a little bit more. And then this horrible thing fell in my lap, so now I'm stuck here with you. Sorry, buddy. But I don't have to travel, and I don't love traveling in general. I'm not afraid of it. I like going on trips. I don't like traveling for work necessarily. So... Scotty just spent a, a, a lot of time in the airport. Five-hour yeah. marathon in what airport? Was it here? Must have been. We go get him. Uh, Send the oldest kid to go pick him up. Seriously. I ran into that issue. I was traveling down to, I guess it must have been when I was going down to the, the Lakers to, to go watch the Jazz play the Clippers. It must have been when I was going to L.A. Our flight ended up getting delayed like seven hours. And luckily, I lived 15 minutes from the airport. And so picked me up and went and had lunch and hung out for a little while, you know. But I hate that. I hate being on other people's schedules all the time, and traveling must be the worst part. But I am trying to think of, like, what the best thing would be. I know a lot of people for the Jazz, I mean, the players get a per diem, but even, like, there's, like, some weird ancillary people you wouldn't expect to get per diem also get per diem. That's probably pretty fun to have somebody walk around and give you an envelope of cash on the airplane. Oh, yeah, sign me up for that. And being like, yeah, I'm a broadcast assistant. Uh, <laughs> this is more money than I make in a year, but I get the per diem. 
Sure. I never knew what a bad traveler I was until I got married. Yes. Like, because she would complain about right. my complaining. You've watched Up in the Air with George Clooney. Oh, I hated that movie and, so much. Yeah, who cares? Anna Kendrick. Yeah. I, but his whole thing is like, yes, like she's new with this job of where he's flying all over the place and she doesn't know how to travel at all. And he's like this pro traveler and knows all the secrets. It's like, yes, you travel with somebody who's really good at it. It's shocking. Shocking. It's crazy if you travel with somebody who's horribly bad at traveling, <laughs> like the worst traveler you've ever met in your life, because that's a real experience. Real experience. That's a real learning experience. My wife, uh, she signed me up for the, the uh, what do they call it? Uh, now we have the clear. That's what a bad traveler I am, is that she spends no. the extra money to get if me the you, clear. But the pre-check, she got me the pre-check If you go more ago. two or three trips a year, I would say get the clear. Get the TSA pre-check so you just don't have to do all the nonsense anymore. It's, it makes a it's world of difference. It's so worth it. But I guess it really cuts down on my complaining because you just waltz right through. Yep. It's great. Yeah. No, it's smart. That's a, that's a, good, little, that's a good little hack it, for not that much money. It's like, what, like $60 for three years or four years or something? Like it lasts a while. It does last a while. It, well, the pre-check lasts five years? Yeah, and I, I get it. It's a, you're already traveling. They're already charging you $25 for a bag, throwing an extra 60 on just to like skip a line. doesn't feel worth it that, at that moment. But, man, it's one of those things when you're traveling. It's just like it, it lowers everybody's stress level by 50%, and that makes it so much more enjoyable. Yeah, it's worth it. Worth it for sure. Yeah. But beware of those delays. They they can get in trouble. I have a few stories about where we got delayed and bad things happened. So everyone who traveled, we have a lot of people who listen to our, you know, we had a lot of people asking where our podcasts are. By the way, right now, the best way to find our podcast, and big thanks to Megan for doing this now, is you go to Jazz Notes. So go to kslsports.com. There's a podcast section. It's right there. If you click on Jazz Notes, you'll get every episode uh, you can subscribe to it there, or just look at it on your phone. Pull up the uh, Apple Store, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Jake and Ben, and you'll find it. Or search Jazz Notes, and you'll see every episode delivered. But a lot of people travel, and they download podcasts if they don't have internet on the plane, and they'll listen to those right away. So everyone who's traveling, especially right now during the holidays with this winter and the delays, we, uh, we're, we're, we're sorry for you. I certainly uh, have sympathy. I'll tell you what. I'm, I am grateful for modern technology when I've ever flown with my children. Yes. Imagine, do you remember what traveling was like when we were kids, Ben, where it was like, here's a deck of cards. Yeah, here's a book. Yeah. <laughs> I don't read. Are you crazy? Read? And if you were lucky, there was a movie on the flight on a bad projector. That you couldn't that, see that because you, you wanted see. the window seat as a kid. And and the, the ear things are so uncomfortable and bad, but you did it anyway. And you you were at the mercy you, of watching whatever, whatever they were showing. Whatever movie. <laughs> Nowadays, you see these TVs in the back of in the back of the seats, and you can watch anything. From- or you can pick games, and the games you can link to other people on the plane sitting wherever they want. You can play games against people. In I told you, my kids got a switch from Santa Claus, and it's like, oh, that I would have murdered people for that when I was a kid. For something you had a Game like Boy that. Yeah. that had real batteries in it, and the batteries lasted forty five minutes. The games were awful, and then it was dead. And now the Nintendo Switch is going to last you forty hours. Well, on one charge, and it has every game you've ever imagined. It's funny. I mean, we can uh, you know bring the show full circle here. Speaking of John Madden, you know, you would get the new Madden game, the new version or whatever, and part of the thrill would be the the technology upgrades, right? Yes. Like the players look more realistic, Correct. and you have franchise mode, and you have all this this uh, updated different stuff. rosters, even but silly things like if that. If you were to go back and look at the 1998 Madden football. 
you would think it was Pong. It's eight boxes. Yeah. yeah. Of, built to be one person. It's like a little circle for the head. When I was a kid, I was like, it looks just it's, like a... That's Brett Favre. That is, that Brett, is Brett Favre. <laughs> I can't even tell the difference. <laughs> Go back and look at it now and be like, that green blob right there, that's Brett Favre. I think it says number eight on his jersey or number but four. I don't, I don't know. know what it is. Yeah. Might be a six. So I saw some clip yesterday of somebody uh, tweeting out, the. do you remember the ambulance that would come on the field when there was yes. an injury in Madden and it occasionally hit somebody? Yep. I'd forgotten all Hilarious. about that. Hilarious. All about that. Great. Funny little elements to add into it. And even looking back at that, you're like, well, that kind of looks like an ambulance, yeah, I think. Yeah, it did, yeah. Right, a white box that would run out. And like for some reason, yeah, a little bit of red would come out. And you're like, that's realistic blood. That, that's it. That's oh, it. it's like I've seen it. I can it. see the bone. <laughs> Hanson Scotty coming up next. Uh, just Hans today because Scotty's calling the Utah State Air Force game, which starts at 1, I believe. Stick around. You might hear a very familiar voice in the next segment. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Might be mine. You're stepping up to the big (laughs) leagues, huh? We'll see. Should I be jealous? No. You get to go home. Don't let Hans hug you. Uh, I'll tell him I have COVID. I don't, but I'll tell him I do. You think that'll scare him off? No. Okay. Pick something more severe. Okay. You're talking to somebody. Yeah, he got all all those diseases from wrestling, right? In Boise. (laughs) Still one of the greatest drops in station history. Still relevant today. Stay tuned. 97.5. Thanks, Thanks, Megan. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.